What's going on, everybody? We are back with another episode of the Around the Rotunda podcast. My name is Austin Deer, and I'm here once again with my co-host, Hunter Simons. And we are happy, very happy this week, because Hunter, it is finally game week. My man, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. It's like been waiting in anticipation for months and months and months, and it's just exciting to finally be able to see them out on the field and, uh, you know, see the fans back in the Santa at Scott stadium. I think it's going to be an electric crowd. And, um, you know, I'm just super pumped to, to be able to, you know, to witness that again. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I'm, I've gotten my lists and everything prepared of what I need to bring to the tailgate. I got my tickets ready. Um, I got all of our friends ready. You know, uh, it's a, uh, it's like, it's like a kid on Christmas morning again, you know, um, I've, I've been waiting for this for for a year now, a year without tailgating and, and UVA football was very hard to go through. So definitely, uh, definitely looking forward to be back to being back in Scott Stadium. Um, so as far as this episode goes, got uh, we uh, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about week zero. You know, as um, you know, college football got kicked off uh, last last weekend um, with a few intriguing games, but nothing really too overly exciting happened um, in that week. But uh Still, it was nice to see, uh, you know, fans back in the stands and, and teams getting their seasons kicked off. Um, we're going to talk about the uh, the depth chart, which got released. Um, we're obviously re- recording this on a Tuesday, um, but, you know, it's uh, we're hopefully be able to provide some good information and kind of break that down for you guys. And then obviously we'll talk about our upcoming opponent and William and Mary as we uh, welcome the tribe led by Mike London to Charlottesville. Uh, so, Hunter, why don't you uh, go ahead and let's talk about, um, you know, our um, let's focus on Illinois um, as a team that's on our schedule right uh, next week, actually. Um, so what um, what did you kind of see from that game? What, what are you expecting maybe from Illinois uh, when they come to Charlottesville next week? Yeah, so it was an interesting opportunity where they were part of the, you know, the opening game of the college football season on the FBS level taking on Nebraska, um, <clears throat> who, you know, has been over the basketball years quite a bit of a disappointing team, I think, in terms of their expectations, the way that react is they've been a subpar, sub-500 team, and Scott Frost is basically on as hot of a seat, if not hotter, than our friend down in Blacksburg and, and Justin Fuente. Um, so, you know, it, it was kind of – in some ways to me, like a, an unexpected result. But then when I really thought about a big picture, it's been trending over the past couple of years. I wasn't that shocked to see Illinois win um, 30 to 22 in the first game. So um, I think a couple notable things that I saw, obviously one of the biggest storylines that will maybe impact us is Brandon Peters, the starting quarterback for Illinois. Um, I think he's a sixth or seventh year senior. Um, he got injured in the, I think it was the end of the first quarter, sometime during the second quarter, he uh, got a separated shoulder in his, in his non-throwing arm. Um, so he's questionable to play this upcoming weekend. And I would imagine that questionable status will continue to the following weekend against Virginia as well. Um, <clears throat> that said, quarterback and Art Sitkowski come in. Um, he's actually a, a Rutgers transfer uh, and as he came in, his his stat line from Rutgers to think this guy is not going to be very good in his career, had eight touchdowns and 20 picks um, at Rutgers. And 
sure enough, the man comes in and goes 12 of 15, 124 yards and two tutties. So um, pretty, pretty great performance. Uh, and, it's hard to really know what to take from it with Nebraska. Uh, and Hunter, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there because, I mean, that stat line is definitely saying something, um, you know, for his performance at Rutgers. I don't think somebody makes that drastic of, a, of an improvement. Um, I think it's pretty much, you know, like you mentioned with Scott Frost being on the hot seat right from the get-go uh, to start the season. If, if his seat wasn't hot already – it's uh it's pretty much boiling at this point um it, 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 he's he's on his way to probably losing almost every game in the big 10 this year um especially if his quarterback adrian rodriguez is going to play like the way he did um I, and i think this is this is somebody that really got to take advantage of a bear of a very bad nebraska team yeah i think so and and the way that brett bielema the coach there i'd mentioned i do think he really is going to be um you know, I think he's going to be a good turn for this Illinois program. That said, a little bit of how good they're going to be this year. Week one, just because the, the opponent really is, I mean, it's strange to say, but like Nebraska is just like kind of a weak opponent at this point. So it could give some misleading takeaways. Um, I felt like they, a couple of things that stood out to me. They, they very obviously are strong in the trenches. They have a uh, pretty strong offensive and defensive line. It seemed like, um, their skill talent was okay, not great. Running back, okay, not great. Quarterback, sort of in the same boat. Pretty efficient, but it felt like they kind of um, – a lot of time milking the clock too, just keeping the ball out of Nebraska's hands. Uh, and Nebraska didn't do any do themselves any favors. Pretty much every time they had a chance to get back in the game, they made some stupid mistake uh, to their chances. So, you know, I think that Illinois, you know, they, they show some promise and they're definitely – as well coach that if you you know if you, if you end up not showing up prepared to play they can take advantage of that but with a team with the you know with a team like Virginia with the experience and the talent that we have playing at home um, I feel pretty good about our chances even after seeing that game but it was definitely a, a fun watch and it was you know fans in the stands and and just being able to watch college football again I couldn't agree more I couldn't agree more and I'm sure you know, our listeners are probably a little bit confused as to why we're talking about Illinois to begin with. Um, but for those who don't know, uh, my good friend Hunter here is uh, going to be a married man uh, this weekend, and uh, he will be on his honeymoon next week. So uh, we probably won't have a podcast to offer you guys, but we wanted to at least give you a little something to kind of uh, look for when it comes to uh, Illinois and that upcoming game. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, the depth chart that got released this week. Um, definitely a few, I'm not really sure if it was necessarily too many surprises, uh, but more just a, of, um, you know, what we can kind of expect from each group and, um, maybe some things that kind of stood out to us, uh, as far as the, uh, as far as, you know, how things lined up, um, in the starting and backup roles. Um, first thing that really stood out to me, uh, was that, uh, you know, Ira starting over, uh, has the backup spot over Jay as of right now, um, for me. I wouldn't be surprised to see both of them get reps in the William and Mary game, especially if we take control early and Brennan's able to get out by the third quarter. I would not be surprised at all to see uh, both of them getting reps um, uh, throughout the, throughout the third and fourth quarter of the game. Um, it seems like the the coaching staff really has a lot of respect for 
for Jay. And I think a lot of this comes down to kind of what you referenced to last week is the fact that Ira has a little bit of experience actually running the offense in a game situation. So I think that's kind of has something to do it, but I think there, this is a, this is a coaching staff that's really excited about what Jay can put out. Yeah. And, um, you know, since we last recorded, um, definitely had more and more good news coming out around Jay Wolfolk and just the excitement level that's, you know, that's, that's rising within the program. Um, so I think it's all great. Um, I, I'm on the same boat. Like I would love to see three and heck if we can even get four quarterbacks in, in some way, that would be awesome. Obviously let's take care of business first, but, uh, would love to see some of these guys get a chance to play and prove themselves, um, you know, under the lights in an actual game. So, uh, it's, it's, I think it's pretty expected for the most part. Um, but I think the fact that they go ahead and list a third quarterback on the two deep maybe tells you something about how close it really is between number two and number three. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And um, and speaking of that, you know, on the on the two deep aspect of this, uh, moving on to the running back situation, we have four listed. Um, at the, uh, so that's uh, that's definitely something to something very worth noting as to how tight the competition is in this room. Um, and I think it also speaks volumes for how good of a running back room this is. Um, I know Bronco spoke specifically in his presser. It is literally like it's going to be a photo finish to see who comes out on top um, as the starting starting back uh, come come game day. For me personally, I think it's going to be Wayne Talapapa. Um, you know, he's he's been kind of the bread and butter of the running back group for the last couple of years now. Um, and he's been Mr. Consistent, um, especially in the red zone. Um, I, so I would definitely expect a lot of red zone usage from him again, but don't be surprised if we see a lot more, my, a lot more of Mike Hollins going up and down the field. Um, I think he's going to be really the guy that's picking up a lot of the yardage um, when it comes to uh, when it comes to the ground game this year. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more balance, especially early in the season. Um, Bronco definitely indicated that we should expect to see all of the guys listed and possibly even more in Ahmad Faustin. Um I think if I had to guess, you know, Wayne will definitely be given the first chance. Um, but I think it's going to really come down to who's the hot hand. And as the season progresses, as someone begins to separate themselves in game, I think that's the chance, you know, the best chance we have of seeing like one guy sort of emerge as the feature back. Um, but personally, like just seeing all four of these guys listed, understanding they all have a little bit of something unique to add. I would totally be cool with seeing a, a bit of a rotation where we really are truly just, you know, game by game, finding out situations where we can use these guys and exploit weaknesses in the other team's defense. Agreed. Agreed. I think it really does speak to the versatility of this offense that, you know, they've been speaking about from, from day one and how they're kind of expecting this offense to uh, really show out, um, and, you know, I, and they've spoken about the running back room specifically. I think they've acknowledged that the running backs haven't been as involved in the offense uh, as they wanted to, especially last year. So I think establishing the run from the get-go is something that they're really going to be looking to do. And if this group is going to have to go out there and compete and, and push for every single yard because their job is, is on the line every time they're out there. And so for me, I, I definitely expect to see I, I don't know I've been a big Mike Hollins fan from day one um, the highlight tapes that I saw from him um, have when before he came to UVA were pretty pretty remarkable um, he's a very physical back with speed 
And I think that's something that, you know, you're getting a lot more obviously in college football now, but um, I feel like he really has probably the most versatility to offer out of the, out of all of them. So I'm, I'm looking for him to end up taking charge, you know, kind of down the road. And um, yeah, I think, but regardless of that, I think that every single one of these guys and, and Ronnie Walker and Devin Darrington can all play a significant role in this offense. Yeah, I, I tend to think of Mike Collins as the highest ceiling guy, but obviously he's the youngest and has the least experience of the group. So he's going to have to earn his stripes a little bit um, in game. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think he's got that potential to be a game breaker. Um, he just he feels like the only one out of the group, maybe him and Ronnie Walker, to be the type that could actually bust out like a, a long 50 plus yard touchdown out of nowhere. Obviously, haven't gotten to see Darrington as much in action, but been very positive so he could be that type too I think we all know Wayne is a much more of that like you might get 10 yards per carry you know pretty consistently like maybe not consistently but you might see it a couple times a game but like the odds of him going for more than 20 yards at a time is like pretty I feel like it's almost like no odds of that happening Exactly. If you actually look back last year I think his long was 19 yards and it was in the first game of the year against Duke so you know he's just he doesn't have that explosive nature that maybe the other guys might have a a chance to provide exactly and it's worth noting too that uh Mike Hollins was the uh the leader on the run on the rushing board um when in in the William Mary game back in 2019 I believe he had like 12 carries for like 90 some yards I know I know the average the average uh yards per carry was 7.1 yards and he also added two scores on top of that so yeah I think uh, I think Mike Hollins might have something uh, something a little bit more to prove in uh, in this game on top and just adding to his his successful stat line against William and Mary. Yeah, I want to say it was his first career carry was for like a nine or eight yard touchdown against William and Mary. So yep. maybe this man, yeah, this man loves playing William and Mary. It's, it's rolling out there. <laughs> well, hopefully he can uh, hopefully he can continue the uh, continue the success against them. And uh, I think it's worth noting that um, Keaton Thompson is listed as a FBP, which is exactly what probably most people think it is, a football player. And so this is a guy that came in from Mississippi State as a quarterback and has now transferred, has now gone from running back, wide receiver, whatever you want to call it, and now he's just straight up a football player. This is literally a guy that can do just about everything. It's like one of the most Bronco things Bronco's ever done is like actually – like no longer just calling him football player in press conferences, actually throwing him on the depth chart with his own position. I love it. Um, I think it's, it's because, because this guy's guy going to be used in, you know, variety of different, I think he's going to be absolutely key to I'm glad that they found a way to, you know, be able to reflect that on the depth chart some way. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, it's really going to be interesting to see, you know, how they're able to uh, to incorporate him into the offense this year that we haven't seen already. So, which it seems like they already have a lot of things up their sleeve. So I'm hoping that maybe they don't give up too give too much away in the William and Mary game. But it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see. I'm I'm excited about the role that he's going to have. And uh, moving on over to the wide receiver group, um, I think uh, pretty much everything that we see here is uh, pretty much self-explanatory. You know, we, expect, we expected Wicks to be, you know, wide receiver one, Rayshon Henry to be lining up on the opposite side of him, 
and Billy Kemp, Mr. Consistent at the wide receiving um, as a wide receiver, uh, you know, list, listed up in the slot as well. Uh, I'm definitely happy to see Artie Henry um, listed up as, as, you know, the backup behind Wicks. Um, you know, he's a, Mar- he's a Marshall graduate transfer. Um, so seeing him on there is, uh, I think, a testament to, you know, the impact that he's made right out the gates through camp. And uh, he's a very – he has a good size, very physical – um, but also has a lot of speed. He was kind of the downfield downfield receiver for Marshall, and I think that uh, he can make an immediate impact in this offense as well. Yeah, and I totally expect to see all of the guys listed on the 2D get meaningful snaps um, in-game. Uh, even Hayden Mitchell, you actually, you know, if you really pay attention closely, he actually does get quite a few snaps a game. He's a really great blocking wide receiver. So like when we're in run, you know, obvious run downs, uh, you know, don't be shocked to see number 18 out there. Um, Artie Henry, I think is going to be a very interesting wild card. Like I think we're really set with Rashawn Henry, Dontavian Wicks, Billy Kemp, but like if he's able to come in and contribute at a similar level, it's just another weapon in this offense that, we didn't even necessarily plan to have. It just was a nice addition to get late on. Uh, so I was excited to see him get his, you know, be able to earn his number in the second round. Um, and, and I'm excited to see how he can contribute on the field as well. Another one to look out for. I really do think Demik Starling, um, he, you know, he gets a lot of a good buzz around him when you talk to, uh, you know, people close to the program. Um, I think he's, you know, maybe, maybe he's one season away from really having a chance to break out. But I wouldn't be shocked if he has a couple big games this season as well um, to you know begin that process early. For sure, for sure. So it's definitely, uh, it's definitely easy to tell why they're so excited about this offense, um, the the weapons that are at Brennan's disposal, um, really sets them up to succeed. And you know, I fully, I fully expect this offense to not really have any growing pains in this first game. I, I really expect them to come out firing on all cylinders um, right from the start and. You know, obviously, it's going to start with the offensive line, which has been the big talk of the uh, of the camp, and um, you know how how great of a job TJ's done. And um, I, one one thing that's really worth noting is the fact that Bobby Haskins is listed as the backup uh, in the left tackle spot. I think it's really a testament to the depth that they have on this uh, on this line, and not to mention the number of freshmen that are listed um, as backups on this line as well which is really also a testament to the great job of recruiting uh, that's been done and making sh- and really bringing in guys that are going to make an impact right from the get-go, um, especially the big name that stands out to me is Logan Taylor. I really was not expecting to see his name there, and so that kind of caught me by surprise, but I'm definitely excited to see it there. Yeah, for sure, and, and seeing Noah Josie emerge as well I think was another one um, that, you know, you even heard 2J mention in a couple of his pressers, so – it's cool to see like the planning for the future, knowing that we have, I think another two four-star recruits coming in next season. And then, you know, we're waiting, awaiting the decision of Mr. Pancake man himself, uh, <laughs> Zach Rice. Uh, you know, we'll see if we can get lucky there and be able to pull him. But if not, you know, I still feel like we're well, well prepared for the future. Um, and, you know, you have a guy like, like uh, Ryan Nelson and I think even Ryan Svoboda, could have the option to return next year well um, with the addition of eligibility. So um, it's cool to see this process that's uh, taken several years to get going, be able to be, you know, fully on display this year. I think, you know, you can pretty easily say this is the strongest starting group top to bottom that we have in the entire roster. 
And like the thought of saying that this years ago, I know when we recorded our first episode uh, before the pit came two years ago, we were freaking out about the offensive line and wondering how the heck we were going to be able to find five guys that could block for Bryce. Um, Now it feels like they're going to be a huge instrumental part of us being able to be successful uh, this year. So it's come a long way, my friend. It definitely has. It definitely has. So flip it onto the opposite side of the ball. Um, wait, wait, wait. Just... You're going to skip over my man? Okay. I don't think there's right. a whole lot well, to I mean, say there. I don't think That's... there was anything All right. noteworthy there. I mean, here, here. Six I'll, foot seven, I'll give us <laughs> everything we need to say right there. Zero, zero people can guard him because he's six seven two sixty five, and he's probably as fast as any other dude on the offense. Okay, go ahead. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't he agree also more. blocks Cannot... like an offensive lineman. But right, I think we'll I think he's probably the one person I'm excited to see play the most this weekend. I'm so excited to watch that man play because I I just want to I want I really want to see how explosive he actually is at that size, and it's I think it could be really scary for probably a team like William Mary that doesn't have a whole lot of size. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't um, imagine. Yeah. Imagine like a five foot nine safety on Jelani Woods. That's not even fair. <laughs> Nobody's going to be able to guard him. He's going to have three touchdowns in the, in, uh, in the first half. It's going to be crazy. But um, <laughs> all right. Wait. So now, so now flipping on to the other side of the ball, um, now that, you know, gotten you taken care of with Jelani. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, this front seven has a has a real opportunity to be very special this year, um, with you know some guys returning, you know from the COVID year, and um, and not to mention uh, Jameer Carter, who I'm expecting to have a breakout year, um, in my opinion. Um, he's still listed as a freshman on the depth chart, so I'm not sure if the COVID year has something to do with that. Uh, but if so, I'm all for him, you know, being here for four more years uh, because this kid probably has some of the best work ethic I've seen just from you know, the things that his dad has posted on Twitter. Um, and we've seen that, you know, really come into fruition just in the, uh, the year last year, too. Uh, he, he was a force to be reckoned with up front and, you know, working um, working with, you know, guys like Adib Atariwa um, and Mandy Alonzo, um, Aaron Famui. That, that front line is really going to be something special and uh, – is going to really have an opportunity to have a huge impact in, you know, stopping the run and uh, being able to get to the quarterback. For sure. Um, and I think one other interesting thing to point out was Famui being listed at the nose tackle as an oar with Jameer Carter. I had heard a little bit coming out of camp about Famui and just his versatility along the front line. Um, you know, if you think back to the last season that he played, we played a whole lot of defense like basically with our nickel package um, Britton Nelson would always be out there in the slot corner position with cross and and blunt as more of the high safeties um, and and we would usually take one defensive lineman off the field to accommodate that he and Manny Alonzo held things down like big time as like sort of defensive tackle and defensive end hybrids so I think he has a lot of experience pass rushing from the inside if you look at some of the PFF stats that's actually that have actually been getting circulated over the past week or so on Twitter, he's one of the top returning interior defensive linemen in terms of pass rush statistics. Um, so I, I looked at, I mean, they're going to have fun with like these, these odd man fronts that they're going to be able to roll out. I expect to see a really solid rotation of Atariwa, Carter, Famui, and Alonzo. Um, and just sort of like, put, you know, put, putting those pieces of the puzzle together. Um, 
solid depth there as well. Um, you know, Ben Smiley, I think, has been a guy that has been in waiting for a while. Um, I know, like, last year he had a weird situation where I think he had opted out initially and then opted back in. And I don't even know if he actually ever even earned his number. To see him earn number 10 this year as a defensive lineman clearly indicates that, you know, he, he's risen within, in terms of his status within the program. And then same thing goes for Sue Ogunlie. Um He's kind of like a physical freak. Man's like 6'6", 280. Um, I, I think he could be in... coming off the front, off of the, uh, off of the edge. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the same, same goes with, with Nusi Milani, who we got to see a little bit of last year as well. Um, you know, getting to see a little glimpse into the future. Um, but, you know, in terms of our starting rotation, I feel really good about it. And I think the defensive line is, is, is in as good of a spot as it's probably been in uh, under Broncos tenure. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, then moving on to this linebacker group led by Noah Taylor and Nick Jackson, both two guys that, um, you know, our only juniors are on this, on this team, but have seriously really made a huge name for themselves already. And, you know, are expected to kind of be the big leaders on this defense and, um, and kind of helping out in all, in all facets of it, you know, with stopping the run and the pass. Um, but also I think probably the most noteworthy thing is this, uh, this competition at the mic spot with uh, Hunter Stewart and Josh Ahern. We were kind of wondering who was going to come out on top with that. Um, looks like Hunter Stewart did end up winning that job. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of rotation between the two of them though. Um, I think they both uh, can bring a lot to the defense and, and um, in their own ways. And, you know, it, I think you know. As, even though Hunter Stewart's listed as the as the one, I think you'll I think you'll definitely see more rotation there, and then um, you know Elliot Brown be uh, added into that group as well. So, I think yeah. this is a I think this is a group that is um, it's experienced. Um, you know, outside of Hunter Stewart, um, but at the same time, I think he's still I think he knows the defense well enough to really make an impact. And um, but I also think that Noah Taylor and Nick Jackson are gonna are poised for big years. I think so too. Um, I think those are two obvious, uh, you know, staples in our defense this year are going to kind of be the core of the whole unit. Um, I, one thing I guess just to like call out is that, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about three, three, five, um, you know, going into this season, I fully expected that they would never reveal any secrets over a depth chart given Bronco play the or game over the years just with literally giving nothing away if he could um that said like I'm not shocked at the way it's it's been laid out here um what I think it might actually end up looking and looking like in practice um and again it might take a couple of games before they really even roll it out but I do think Hunter Stewart and Elliot Brown are going to kind of be competing for that that outside linebacker spot in the three three five um, but that said, I'm sure there's going to be pack, plenty of packages all year long with the three, four defense as well. Um, so I, I really like this setup. I think Hunter Stewart, like is so versatile. Um, you know, he's got good size on him, but he also is super athletic, definitely able to get around the field. Well, I think that complements Nick Jackson, who, you know, in his own way is also versatile, but he's much more of like a, a big hitter, um, good, like line stuffer. Um, you know, a guy that you want to have behind your nose tackle in the defense. Um, so I think he's a great compliment to that. And it'll be interesting to see it in practice. Um, I think one other really cool thing to see, kind of like on the offensive line, uh, you actually see three freshmen popping up on the two deep at the linebacker spot. I know we heard a lot of great stuff about James Jackson throughout the spring as he was an early enrollee. 
Um, but getting to see West Weeks and Mike Green pop up as well, two, you know, highly touted guys that we had a lot of hype around when we first signed them back in the spring. Um, it's so cool to see them, you know, already earning their numbers and being able to find a way onto the depth chart this early on. I think it shows us, again, the succession planning that might, that, that we have under Bronco men in a hole. Um, you know, it, it's just compared to the Mike London days when I bet you he struggled to even fill out a two deep in some positions. Now we've got guys left and right popping up that are brand new to the program. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's, uh, yeah, it, like I mean, like you said, it's it really shows a testament to how well the the recruiting has been over the last year or two, and um, you know the impact that I think that's going to continue to make on the program. Um, so moving over to the secondary, um, obviously you have Nick Grant, who is um, you know preseason uh, All ACC honors, um, and then you know transfer uh, Anthony Johnson. You know the two of them um, obviously listed as one and two um, in that spot. I, I really I, – it's kind of hard to read into this because the way Bronco was talking, um, you know, he has the utmost respect for Anthony Johnson and the impact that he's made on the program from day one. I think he literally he, – he made it very clear that Anthony Johnson was probably one of the most consistent um, defense, uh, defensive backs that they've had in camp so far. Um, so I'm honestly expecting him to, even though he's listed as in the two spot, he's still going to, he's still going to be on the field. I think probably at least, you know, 80, 85% of the time, in my opinion. Um, I think, I think he brings a good level of experience. That's going to compliment Nick Grant and give uh, the two of them are going to be able to work together w- really well. Um, also Devonte cross finally moving back to, uh, to that saber spot uh, where I think he's going to be a lot more comfortable and hopefully is going to uh, be able to succeed a little bit more there. And then um, you have Joey Blunt and Darius Braddon, which, two guys we both expected to be uh, sitting there at number one. This is a secondary that really has a lot of questions surrounding it Uh, with the performance that they had last year. It was very subpar. I think they were also hindered by some injuries, um, which I think is what really impacted them mostly. And I think a lot of people are writing them off. It's, it kind of blows my, it's, it really makes you wonder though, if they're going to be able to succeed this year, if they can stay healthy, do you really, do you really think they can be better than what they were last year, considering, you know, what this group has shown in flashes? I mean, I think they're going to, um, and I really think they can personally. I mean, we're returning like a ton of pieces from what was a great secondary two years ago, obviously like Brenton Nelson and, and uh, Bryce Hall, the impact that they had. And when they got injured that year is when things really started to. Um, but, you know, Joey Blunt, I think last season, people just like maybe don't understand just how impactful that was to the rest of the team. He's, he's, he's um, I think he's really important to, um, you know, I, I think he has like such a strong chemistry with the other guys. And, and when he's not back there and kind of being the, you know, the guiding hand for them, I feel like it, it shows a little bit of the disjointed nature that it, you know, that we ended up seeing on the field um, just due to like a lack of chemistry between the guys. And, you know, they probably didn't get as many reps together last year with COVID. Uh, obviously COVID was a factor everyone dealt with, but, you know, just saying like, it's not really an excuse. It's just a fact like those guys didn't get to train together that much last year and it showed on the football field. And I think with a full off season, a full spring, um, you know, we're going to see a mass, you know, a major improvement. Um and, and one thing just to call out, I think you slightly alluded to this, uh, listening to Broncos presser yesterday, did it not kind of sound like he was talking about Anthony Johnson as a starter? 
Yeah, it really did. And that's why I was kind of confused when the when the depth chart came out and he was listed as second. So but I, mean, I think it um, also just I think it also just speaks to Nick Grant as the he's a, yeah. he's he's a very he's a very skilled player on that side of the ball and you know it's I, I don't really know if it's going to be comp I think they have it listed like this but at the same time like I, I think we're going to see them on the field together a lot. So That's what I was going to say. I don't think it was a slip of a tongue and I don't think that the what they're showing with four DBs is inaccurate. I think what we're going to see is when we have that five defensive backfield, I think Anthony Johnson is the other starter. Um, Whether that means Darius Bratton kind of plays the slot corner role, which if you remember back to last season, he actually did play that a decent bit. He's a really good coverage corner. He's a little bit shiftier, I would say, than than Nick Grant. Um, Got a little bit more of the ability to press on the line of scrimmage. Uh, And I think Anthony Johnson is going to be this like, I think he's going to be a physical dude that like you put up on their biggest receiver and just tell him to body that guy on the line of scrimmage. Um, That's, that's just my like hunch. There's really no like solidified proof that has told me that's the case, but just trying to read between the lines and, and Bronco is never like, he rarely has a slip of the tongue. And I think that he really was referring to Anthony Johnson as a starter in this defense. I agree. I agree. It's going to be, it'll be interesting to see, but you know, we can, yeah, we can only we'll make speculate our, all day until we, we see it on the field. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh, jumping on over to, uh, to special teams. Um, so uh, not too many surprises here. Um, obviously Jacob Finn, the grad transfer from Florida. I think this is a guy that, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we don't get too excited about, you know, punters and whatnot, but this is a guy that's got an absolute leg. Um, he's kicked multiple punts over 50 yards and has even has one for 67 yards, I believe. Um, so this is a guy that, uh, you know, has, he started all 12 games for Florida last year. And, um, I, it's nice to see somebody kind of come in that can be reliable as a punter, because honestly, if you're, if the offense does get stalled, which I don't expect it to much this year, um, except when we start playing, you know, stiffer competition, um, it's good to have a punter that can really shift the field position the way that you needed to. Um, so hopefully Jacob Finn's going to be able to make that impact. Um, and Justin Dunkel obviously is locked in as the kicker um, kicker spot. My, my question is, is where the hell is Hunter Pearson on this depth chart? Um, this is somebody that I thought had really been talked about uh, as competing with Justin um, for the starting kicking role. I think kind of all along we knew Justin was going to take this spot. But uh, one kind of has to speculate why why he's not even listed as the backup. Yeah, big mystery. Because you know, probably won't find out either. <laughs> kind of. Thing. Um, I have to think he might be injured or something like that. Um, but I mean, hey, like you know, I I think like you said, we kind of knew it'd be Dunkel all along. Um, I feel very confident with him. Uh, I think he's he's got a huge huge like himself. Um, which will add maybe a different dynamic where we might be to, you know, actually attempt some field goals from longer ranges than we might've felt comfortable doing with Delaney, who I think Delaney was always really consistent from like 35 and in, but once you got to like that 40 yard range, it's just a little bit shaky. Um, which really, if you're being honest, that's all you can ask for out of a college kicker. Dunkel's got mm-hmm. a bigger leg. And if we're being honest, like, he can boot it yeah. from like 55. Yeah, he's got a huge leg. I think accuracy is his thing. 
but we've got the number one kicker in the nation coming in next year, which should be interesting. Uh, but for this year, I think we're set um, with Dunkel and as a huge pickup. I think, uh, you know, said we don't want to put too much too much time talking about like a punter and the impact that they have on the team. But special teams are very important, and Bronco places a huge emphasis on, um, you know, the average starting position of your drives, like and the, you know, gaining a gaining an edge over your opponent in that regard and having a punter that's really reliable um, and comes from a big time program where he's averaging over 50 yards a punt in the SEC. I think that's going to be a really, you know, really cool thing for us to have in Charlottesville this year. Couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. Um, And then Billy Kemp, obviously this is punt returner. I don't think there's really any surprises there. Um, One thing I was really intrigued to see was who was going to be returning kicks this year. Um, they have so Bronco has Ronnie Walker and Mike Collins listed as as a pairing for that. That that's a that's a pretty fun fun group back there. Um, the the explosiveness from the two of those guys um, is, I mean we've we've seen what both of them can do, and if they can find some holes um, on kickoff returns, um, I think we could really see some uh, see some touchdowns coming maybe as soon as the first game of the year. Um, especially against a, a team, a team like William Mary, where you can maybe do something like that against. And uh, so we'll we'll see what kind of impact they can have. Obviously, you know it's kind of hard to hard to speculate. You know we see them in, in the running game, but not really special teams. So you know it's a different it's a different kind of thing. So you know if they can, I think I think if they can give us good field position, which I really think they do have the capability of doing that. Um, it's the it's only going to set up our offense for for success. Yeah. And I've seen some people on message boards and maybe on Twitter as well, like just mentioning, oh, you know, I expected to see more speed back there. You know, we need we need somebody that's got a little bit more burst to them. First off, like both of those running backs, I, I think people don't understand how fast like four five or four six forty really is. Like just because they're not four three, like four five four six is fast enough. Um, and especially when you have the the ball carrier vision of a running back. Um, I think that's an added edge. Joe Reed was like a very, like, we're not going to have another Joe Reed ever. Like, I mean, we would be very lucky to ever have another kick returner that is that good. What a real realistic expectation of a good kick returner is, is some guy that can get you basically a starting position on the field. That's better than it would be if you had a touchback or somewhere around the same amount. Um, So I, I feel very confident about the ability of both of these guys and their ability to, one, you know, the vision that they have carrying the ball, and then two, their ability to break a tackle and make a guy miss. I, I feel like we're, we're, you know, we're set up well, and I'm excited to see, um, you know, a new chapter there with with somebody else returning kicks this season. Agreed. Agreed. It's definitely – so it seems like, you know, just a lot a lot to really look out for in this first game. And, you know, I think uh, I think it's something to – a lot lots of kind of – a lot of questions, but, you know, at the same time, a lot that we already know as well that we can, you know, definitely be excited about to uh, kind of witness kind of all come to fruition from the spring and fall camps that they've had. Um, so now jumping over, let's go ahead and talk about William and Mary um, coming to Charlottesville. Um, obviously their normal season last year got canceled. Um, they did play a spring season, which was only three games for them. Um, two of them had gotten canceled. Uh, so they went one and two in their spring, losing to both Richmond and JMU. Um, so they didn't really, they, they beat one against Elon and Elon, I think is a pretty much a bottom feeder in the F's, uh, in the FCS as well. Um, so it's, they, they pretty much got, they got beat up by JMU. They kind of kept it close against Richmond, but, uh, Richmond hasn't really been the 
powerhouse that they kind of used to be. Um, they last played UVA back in 2019, like we mentioned. UVA won that game 52-17. to 17. Um, I pretty much expect uh, almost similar type finish um, this year. Uh, this is a team that was is predicted to finish second to last in the CAA. So that should pretty much tell you everything you need to know um, about this about this team. It's still a very much a work in progress, and you know, Mike London at the helm. I think we we've, we've seen enough from Mike London to know uh, you know how how his teams are run. Um, you know, not throwing any shade or anything, or I might be. We'll see. Um, <laughs> they're also it also got announced today that they're without two of their key players um, and line, their linebacker uh, Tyler Chris and their um, redshirt freshman running back Malachi Emo. Um, so that's two huge losses for them. Um, kind of just kind of reading up on uh, William Mary and kind of what their beat reporters have to say. This is these are two people that they expected to make a huge impact on both sides of the ball. So uh, I mean, losing them is definitely not ideal uh, to start the season up. Um, but a couple of players to watch um, quarterback uh, Hollis Mathis. Um, we didn't really see much of him in the 2019 game. He came in and went 0 for 4 with an interception uh, at end. I think end of the game, I would imagine. Um, so he's definitely he actually threw that pick six to uh, to Nick Grant. I actually remember yes. that. That was yes, Nick Grant's pick did. six. Yep, yep, you're exactly right about that. You're exactly right. Um, he's a main. He's a dual threat quarterback, but he's pretty much going to gain most of his yards on the on his feet. Um, he did, he has definitely made improvements since we have seen, since we saw him in 2019, um, in the spring, he led the C, he led the CAA in total offense with 232 yards per game. But a lot of that was coming on the ground. Pretty much the goal for UVA is to make him throw the football. Um, he's not, he's not going to beat you in the air. So I think this really plays to our advantage in that, in the fact that our run defense should be really solid this year. And I think the secondary is going to be able to play off of that and make him throw some picks. Yeah, I think so too. I think the big thing will just be to like keep contain, um, it, you know, the ACC. Every every quarterback is a dual threat just about in the in the entire conference. So this won't be anything new. Having to be able to prepare for a guy that has the ability to move. Um, I think what we saw of him in the game two years ago, and granted, he's probably developed since then. But what you saw was when you denied him the ability to run and you got pressure, he panicked really quickly, and he made some very ill-advised throws. He even got lucky on a couple where he underthrew the ball and his receivers, like, came back to it and were actually able to make a catch or two. But he also, like, would throw into, like, triple coverage when he was under pressure. So I think, the you know, the big thing will be for us is, like, you know, don't allow him any options to scramble and then keep him in the pocket and try to get some pressure on him because he will make mistakes – um, you know, he, he's a decent athlete for sure, but I think it's not something we should be super concerned about, um, especially with our ability to cover and, and pass rush. Um, you know, he should, frankly, it should be a pretty bad day for him if we're playing well. I agree. I agree. And there's pretty much only one uh, wide receiving threat, uh, receiving threat that was worth noting on. Uh, it's actually a, a former player from UVA, um, Cole Blackman. Uh, he was on UVA's roster from 2016 to 2018. Um, ended up transferring to Illinois State, and now he's uh, with Mike London at, at William and Mary. Um, in the spring, he averaged uh, 64 yards per game and uh, 16 yards per catch. So this is definitely somebody that they lean on in the passing game. It's pretty easy to tell. So um, you know, I think if this is kind of the guy that you highlight and uh, make make other receivers kind of put in the work. Um, so I, w- I would definitely expect you know our our star guys to be to be kind of highlighting Cole um, throughout the night. 
Um, and then kind of flipping over to like to the um, to the defensive side of the ball, uh, their main guy Trey Watkins uh, is a linebacker um, for them. Uh, he was their leading tackler tackler in 2019. He had 83 tackles, and just from kind of what I've read up on, he's pretty the defense is pretty much centered around him, and he's kind of the big leader. And one thing I also noticed is they are very young on the uh, on the defensive line, which uh, should be very favorable for uh, kind of really establishing the run game as well. And uh, you know, I think I think once we establish the run, I think we could have a really good opportunity to kind of blow this game open and let the offense explode the way we expect it to. Yeah, I think you covered it well. Um, not much more to add other than, you know, it's pretty cool that they have such a UVA heavy, um, you know, coaching staff. I think it will be cool to, to welcome some of those guys back to Charlottesville. You know, even Mike London, like, look, obviously it didn't end that well from a head coaching perspective, but I think, everyone had a massive amount of respect for that man as a, as a person and as a guy that loved the university of Virginia. Um, so it'd be nice to see him back in Scott stadium. Obviously we want to send them all home with some, with an L, uh, but it'll be nice to, you know, be able to give them an, the recognition that they deserve uh, for their commitment to this program at large. Couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And um, so as far as the key, let's go to the uh, jump on over to our last segment, the, uh, the keys of the game. Um, pretty much have five laid out for um, right out right out the gate. Um, Hunter, what's what's our first one, and uh, you know what what do you think is our, our number one point here? Yeah, I think you know from the from the get go, we we have heard a lot of hype about the offense and its ability to put up points and move the ball effectively down the field. I think a key will be you know let's start out fast, let's let's you know take it to them right away. It's exactly what we did in the 2019 game against William Mary. And it wasn't much of a game um, because we, we scored early and, you know, our defense came to play. And by the end of the first quarter, it was 28 to zero. And, you know, they were just scrambling at that point, trying to do anything to, to be successful. Um, and and we, we were able to, to really dictate the flow of the game after that. So um, I think that's a huge, huge thing that we can do here is to step on their throats early, assert our dominance and use the crowd to our advantage, knowing that, it will be an electric atmosphere with fans back in the stadium for the first time. I know the players can be super pumped. In fact, I really think they might need to be more focused on actually like relaxing a little bit and like realizing like the moment that they're in. Um, I think there's a tendency like to get overhyped sometimes. Like, so I, I think like finding that perfect balance between, you know, using the, the energy of the crowd to your advantage while also staying cool headed and, um, you know, remaining calm in the moment. I think that would be agree. key. For sure, for sure. And, you know, I think uh, Bronco even mentioned that uh, the players are pretty much more excited for the uh, the fans returning to Scott Stadium uh, than they are for the actual game. So, you know, I think that just shows how much of uh, – how much the fourth side uh, really means to these players. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I know I can speak for both of us in that, you know, we're excited to be back there and be able to cheer them on and – uh, because, you know, all the work that they put in over the last, you know, year has, uh, they've definitely earned it. And uh, so looking forward to hopefully uh, losing my voice by the, by the end of the night. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so, uh, you know, I definitely, I definitely like, like that point. Um, starting out fast is huge. Um, and also, you know, moving on to our next one, I think smart decision-making by Brendan is uh, going to be a key right from the get-go. We want to see really how much he's grown. Um, over this offseason now that he's had normal practices has had a lot of time to work with this offense 
and he has a lot of weapons to his disposal. Um, you know, with guys like Wicks and Rayshon Henry um, and Billy Kemp and Mr. Consistent, and uh, not to mention the massive tight end uh, in Jelani Woods. Uh, he's got more guys than uh, he knows what to do with to be able to throw the ball to. And I think this is this is a time that you expose um, a weak secondary and put points up quick and make good throws. This is the perfect time to work on that stuff. You know, make sure you're stepping into your throws. Don't get into bad habits of throwing off your back foot where it's unnecessary. And if nobody is open, throw the ball away or run. We've seen what he's able to do on his feet. Take it that and and show and show these people what they can what you can do. Because a lot of people have written him off um, because he didn't have that great of a year last year, and which is crazy because he had a de- he still had a decent year, believe it or not. Um, so I think I think a lot of people really aren't expecting much from this team, and it's time for the. I think his smart decision making, if he really shows he can put the ball where he needs to put it, I think it's uh, I think it might make us. It really could make a statement um, early on, and you know maybe have people questioning. Okay. Maybe maybe UVA can actually uh, maybe this offense is legit like they've been saying and uh, and you know Brennan could be uh, could be the real deal. Yeah, I think the key for him will definitely be letting the game come to him. He's got plenty of weapons, like you said. Don't force the ball anywhere. Rely on your guys to get open, uh, make the right read, and get the ball out. I think that's you know that's the key to success for him there. Um, so. You know, obviously we touched on Brennan being a huge part of our offense. I think another big key for this game, and, and this was, again, a big part of our win against William & Mary back in 2019, is let's establish the run outside of Brennan. Um, we love the fact that he's a versatile quarterback, that he can put up big yards, big stats um, with his own legs. But I think the days of Brennan Armstrong being the leading rusher of the team needs to be a thing of the past. Um I think we, we need to see our running backs be able to contribute more in the traditional ground game. Um, I think, as we mentioned, going through our depth through depth chart preview, uh, we have plenty of options back there. So um, I'm hoping to see all of these guys get touches and get meaningful yards. Um, and I think that, you know, we'll be able to take advantage of the fact that William & Mary has a, a younger and experienced line that, you know, isn't really used to playing at this level. Um, we should be able to assert our dominance pretty early with our veteran offensive line. Yeah, no, I, uh, I definitely agree. You know, I think the, the running back room is, I think it's going to surprise a lot of people this year because I don't think they really have any expectations as far as, you know, kind of just what we've seen in the past. You know, we've talked about how UVA wants to establish the run, but they've never really, they never really put an emphasis on the running back room. So I think, uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of that, um, especially with how, with how deep it is. Um, and then, so moving on to like the defensive side of the ball, um, I think, you know, now that we were talking about the running game, I think it's really important that they stop the run, um, which I don't think is going to be an issue, but uh, just with the, with a quarterback that's going to want to run the ball a lot, um, I think it's going to be extremely important to make sure we put an emphasis on keeping him contained um, and making him throw the ball. Um, but the good thing is, you know, we really, it, it, obviously it's clear, you know, we work with the defense works with dual threat quarterbacks pretty much every single day at practice. So, I don't really foresee this being an issue um, and being able to contain him. Um, so I, I definitely think this is something that they can succeed with, but I think it's definitely important if, uh, if the defense wants to have a good day out there. For sure. Yep. Definitely agree. 
And then the last key that we have, um, and this was a huge indicator of our success last season, and I think anytime under Bronco, and probably just more large football in general, let's win the turnover battle. Um, I think if we take care of all the other keys that we've laid out so far, I think that this will just be a given. Uh, you know, Brennan making smart decisions, running effectively with the football, and then putting pressure on a quarterback that wants to, to run um, should give us plenty of opportunities to force turnovers um, and then hopefully hold on to the ball ourselves. So I think if we can force three or four turnovers in this game and maybe go spotless on our own, um, I would feel amazing about our ability to, one, create havoc on the defensive side of the ball, and then, two, um, see a clear progression in terms of, like, Brennan's maturity and, and just in general, like, showing a reflection of how prepared our team is mentally for this game. So I think that'll be a huge litmus test for all of those things. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think there's kind of a chip on the shoulder with this team and, um, you know, with the loss to Virginia Tech last year, the way the season ended, and then uh, being picked fifth in the Coastal, I think is really a huge slap in the face to them. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they're ready to prove a lot of people wrong. I think, you know, I think right from the get-go, I kind of feel sorry for William & Mary because I, I think this is a team – this team is really going to come out and show almost no mercy – um, I, I think it really could be a, a bloodbath pretty early uh, if, if they do exactly, you know, what what they expect to do. And obviously, you know, as William & Mary, they, uh, you know, they're not good. Um, so it, it's hard to kind of really judge off of this. But mainly thing, like, I just want to see consistency out of the offense. I want to see them moving the football downfield, um, getting everybody involved. And I mainly want to see a lot of consistency from the secondary, too, and them stepping up and making plays um, on the ball. Uh, as well in uh, in the passing game, so this is some this is a really good opportunity to see what this group is going to be able to do this year. And um, you know, I think I think you know with everything that we've touched on, I think UVA fans definitely have a lot to be excited about. I couldn't agree more, man. You want to take a look back at our predictions we did last week and see if you want to make any updates or you want to keep them the same. Um. Oh God! What did so? What did I pick for last? What did I pick for the final score right. of this game? So you had fifty-two to fourteen, and I had fifty-five to thirteen. Still feeling right, good so, about that. So I'm sitting here at a uh, at <laughs> I'm sitting here at fifty-two to fourteen, and I said we should win. I, I made a note specifically right here that we should win by forty. So I think I'm going to stick with my pick of fifty-two to fourteen. I think I think that sounds like a fair a fair number, and you know, hell, I would be I would be okay if we put up even more points than that. So if we need to win by 40, I think we're underperforming if we only win 52 to 14. Because if my math is correct, that's 38 points. So yeah, come on. Obviously. Get, get, it's a, give it's me, a rough number. It's close. Give me 54 to 14. Come on. Don't be a coward. I'm just <laughs> right, kidding. We'll do, we'll you can keep your number. You can keep your number. Then. You can keep your number. even line up uh, right, but we'll go with it. We'll do nah, 56 nah, nah. to 14. How about that? 56. Nope. Too late. Too late to change it. Uh <laughs> Me over here, I actually believe in our team to win by 40 with my 55 to 13 prediction. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it turns out, uh, you know, when we, when we discuss again in a couple of weeks. But uh, all jokes aside, I think we're on the same page. This should be a dominant display from the team. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, as much as I'm, I'm going to miss, uh, you know, watching the game with you this weekend, you know, I know you're going to be uh, having the best day of your life. So um, I will I will cheer hard for the both of us. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, no problem, man. Th- th- I really appreciate that and look forward to getting back in the stadium with you uh, for the Wake Forest game in a couple couple more weeks. Um, 
Couldn't, couldn't be more excited. I know we're going to get out there early to Fontana that Friday, as early as they'll let us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. They just need to cancel business hours for that day. Um, <laughs> but if you haven't already, guys, uh, go ahead and make sure you give us a follow on Twitter. Make sure you, uh, you know, subscribe to our channel on, you know, whatever, whatever you're listening to our podcast too. And be sure to, you know, drop us a review as well. We'd really appreciate it. And if you have any questions or, uh, you know, want to just talk football with us, you know, she just a DM on Twitter. We'd be more than happy to, uh, to discuss anything uh, that you might want to know about. So uh, if, um, and also if you haven't already buy your tickets to the William Mary game, uh, get out there and uh, go and support this team because they definitely have earned it. So Hunter, as always, it was a pleasure, man. And uh, you know, best of luck this weekend. And, you know, we will, uh, we will be talking to everybody again soon and everybody enjoy the game this weekend. Go who's go who's.